0: Welcome in to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Arrowhead Pride, the most popular Chiefs website on all of the internet. Pass, side on, pass intercepted! It's Dan Sorensen! A pick six! Dan Sorensen! Dirty Dan
1: Sorensen!
0: All Chiefs, all all the time. time. Here's Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley.
1: And welcome to Arrowhead Pride Radio this week. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com. A lot to discuss this week going into the Broncos game for the first time in eight weeks. We're talking about a loss for the Kansas City Chiefs, Pete. A loss in the fact that the number one seed, unless the Texans can beat the Titans, which they did back in November 21st, can't happen, but big loss for the Chiefs considering the number one seed. They control their own
2: destiny and it's not there anymore. Right. And anything can happen and, and we know that. I, I tend to think the Titans will take care of business on Sunday, so... You have a situation now I think where you're you're realigning if you're the Chiefs. You had a little bit of a shock there and, and I I do think that there can be silver linings there where you, you readjust, you start to realize again, okay, if we don't come out of the gates and, and bring our best ball, that is at the beginning of the game, and after the halftime break, we can be vulnerable just like anybody else. I know that a lot of fans are unhappy with the officials, but the Chiefs still had their opportunities to win this football game in the second half. They lost control. We'll see how the weekend goes, but if you realign yourself now, you you're you come ready in what probably will be a wild card weekend game, you still have everything right in front of you. The Chiefs were the number 2 seed in 2019. Then the New England Patriots get upset by who? The Tennessee Titans and then suddenly you have home field advantage again. So It's just a matter of continuing to play and coming a little bit more ready again at both the kickoff and and when the second half begins next game.
1: And they could very easily have the path to the Super Bowl in Arrowhead Stadium if Tennessee uh, takes that loss in the divisional round if they keep the number one seed. Difference between 2019 and 21 is obviously uh, there's no bye week. 2019, they got the bye week. I mean, there are some things for Chiefs fans like The Texans... With Deshaun Watson beat the Chiefs in the regular season, so do the Titans. Right. And I've heard a lot about this. You know, Chiefs are one and four against playoff teams right now. But if the Raiders beat the Chargers, that's two more wins the Chiefs have. Plus, let's not forget that Chiefs are three 3-0 oh against teams in the NFC, including the number one seed. But obviously, when you look at the schedule, you look at these teams, Pete, who's the one team you don't want to see match up with the Chiefs in round one? Because Derrick Henry, by the way, has been announced He's back at practice. The window is now open. It's what twenty-one day window is open for Derrick Henry, so he could be activated by this game. Maybe not. Maybe they, they cool him down, get the, a couple extra weeks off the bye week, which I heard you mention uh, with us uh, on FESCO in the morning when I was dealing with him the other day.
2: So pivotal how much that bye week means to the Titans. Yeah, I think it, it matters most to them, and they're best suited to get it right now. And and I think that is a sense in a shame is a shame for the Chiefs it's hard to describe this i'm going to do my best here but the titans need it worse than the chiefs do and i just think that swing is tough like if the chiefs had the bye white right now i think the titans would be especially vulnerable and the chief's chances would i really feel that differently of course they would have a better chance you know that is obvious cuz they'd have to play one less game but i would i feel completely differently about their chances to get to the super bowl no The Titans, however, because of this Derrick Henry situation where he's iffy going into this weekend, a little bit unsure about what will be next weekend. And all of the reports are that if they are able to get the bye, he should be good to go, 100% fresh for what would be the divisional round. This matters so much more to Tennessee. And that's the difference for me. Like, you know, you want to just make up some hypothetical percentages here they maybe go from, like, okay, and making it up, let's say, 60% to go to the Super Bowl. To me, you you know, you bring Derrick Henry back, and they don't have to play a playoff game without him. That's now 80. Meanwhile, if they didn't have it, had the Chiefs taken care of business, they're vulnerable suddenly on Wild Card weekend without their best asset in Derrick Henry. Well, the way it works now is the Chiefs would play the Chargers
1: in round one in Arrowhead Stadium as the playoff set right now. Of course, some big things. I mean, if the Colts lose to the Jags, which they've lost with the last – Seven games in Jacksonville could happen, probably not going to happen at that point. And then all of a sudden, you have Sunday football where the Raiders and Chargers could tie, they could just kneel the ball the whole time. That'd be wild. And actually, they're they're not going to do that for competitive purposes. They're going to play this game, keep each other out because you got to be careful with what you wish for in the postseason. But uh, Derrick Henry coming back. And the funny thing is, Pete, when you look at these, these teams right now as the top seven seeds with Tennessee, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills. Uh, Patriots, Colts, and Chargers, is at one point this season, almost six out of these seven were being talked about as the best team in the AFC. Tennessee clearly was talked about the best team when Derrick Henry was healthy, and they went back-to-back weeks knocking off the Bills and the Chiefs, the two uh, Vegas favorites from the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, The Bengals are starting to get some buzz right now from people. Are the Bengals the best offense in the NFC? The Patriots, as the fifth seed, they've been talked about as the number one team in the AFC, like the Chiefs, the Colts really haven't. They've been called maybe one of the scariest teams, but not the best team. And the Chargers kind of fall in line with that. So five of these teams will be considered the best team in the AFC at some point this season. The Chargers are really on with Justin Herbert and Brian Greasy. And then I football, so the AFC West goes through him. But right. it's how crazy the AFC is and what the Chiefs would have to do. And these teams that are in the AFC, because these playoffs are going to be nuts. They all have really decent quarterbacks, except for Tennessee and the Colts.
2: Right, and I, I just, I'm, I'm always favoring the the teams with the quarterback in place, and and that's what gives me doubts about the Titans and in the Colts, even though they have these outstanding running backs. I just feel like the quarterback is what gets you to the promised land, to the Super Bowl. I, I think that we've seen that time and time again, especially in the last decade or two. It's really rare that a team can just get there based upon a position player other than the quarterback or by going on the heels of the defense. Like it does happen on occasion. Uh, You know, when we think about the Denver Broncos and their championship win, that wasn't about Peyton Manning at that stage. But again, it is, it is few and far between. So I think when you're looking at the opponents in the first round, I've said this at the beginning of the week, I I've been playing around with the playoff picture. It's a, it's a fun little thing you can do with ESPN. They have it and you could, the playoff machine, you could kind of see, okay, if this person wins, this is who will play here. And, and from what I've seen, and and if you put in the the favorable matchups, and then you get to what is Sunday night football, the winner is it, it changes the seeding a bit. So the Raiders, it seems like, if they win, and the obvious teams also win, the favored teams, they might jump up to the sixth seed, and then the Chiefs would play a team like the Indianapolis Colts or what would be like the Pittsburgh Steelers. It seems like, for if example, the, if the Chiefs, if the Chiefs, right. the Raiders win.
1: At this point, the Raiders are a real possibility for the seventh seed at that point. Yeah,
2: and or they could jump up to the... Or excuse me, the Colts. S- right, exactly, so because the the Raiders would jump up to the sixth. It seems like, in as I'm playing with this thing, again, it, it's random, but as I'm playing with this, this thing, it seems like if the Chargers win, they would pretty much be locked into the seven, and you would get a 2-7 matchup. But the scenarios are endless right now, just because... You're you're not locked even up into the first seed, and we do expect. And I know that you know there's a lot of um, superstitious Chiefs fans out there that are saying don't say it, but like the Chiefs should beat the Broncos, and so you're going to have a lot of scenarios in the AFC on Sunday where it can go in a lot of different ways. And this season's been crazy. There have been upsets here and there, and if we see an upset like with the the, the Jaguars winning a game against the Colts, if we see the Titans. Uh, get beat by the 10-point underdog in the Texans, that'll, of course, change things. It could go, go in a lot of different directions in the AFC.
1: It's looking a lot like the, it'll be the Chargers, the Colts, These are pretty uh, favorable matchups there. And, of course, it could end up being the Raiders as well. The Chiefs take the loss 34-31, to 31, Pete. And I, if you're the Bengals, yeah, it's a it's a big win for them. And these teams that beat the Chiefs, it becomes a big win that they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So a lot like early in the season, the Ravens did it, the Bills did it, and the Chargers did it. They, same thing now because the Chiefs were on a roll, and lost to the Bengals, a good test for them. But in the back of their mind, just like Joe Burrow said at the other game, well, we got lucky a few times. Well, they did. So if you're the Bengals you look at the game and you look at the, this, the the officiating outcome, which, by the way, if you do look deep into that, it did affect the game maybe 60% as far as the equation to win or losing. And clearly that was the case. We'll talk about the third and 27 player in a second. But the officiating, you know, Mike Pereira from, um, from Fox, the head officiating guy, was the VP of officiating in the NFL, Talked about the Chiefs and how if he's Andy Reid, he would have been mad going back and watching that game. And I'm sure the league has gotten clips from the Chiefs and uh, a nice little uh, write-up from the Kansas City Chiefs as well. But if you're the Bengals, you understand that situation. And there was a couple calls if they didn't go the Bengals' way. Zach Taylor, people are looking at him like, wait, how'd you blow that game or how'd you lose that game? Now all of a sudden he's a genius. You go from duns to genius just like that if you're Zach Taylor.
2: Right, right. And I, I think... You know, just like I said, the Chiefs can go in two directions where you let this impact your season and how you play moving forward and into the postseason. And and, you you know, you look at the Bengals. This is a tale of two ways this can go for them as well. I I think the Bengals could look at this and say, "Okay, we can beat anyone. Let's refocus here and let's 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 make some damage and let's do some damage in, in the postseason or they could be satisfied with winning the the division. I, I talked about this on the drive, but man, in, in 2013 and 2015, where the chiefs were making the postseason, that was pretty exciting, you know, and, and it felt, it felt like, wow, you know, we're so happy to have playoff football back in Kansas city. There's gotta be that type of feeling in Cincinnati right now, but I, I think they can play with anyone in the AFC. The parody is, is, is stronger than it's ever been. And so you, you gotta see what happens with them. I think they're, they're, their momentum took a hit, in a sense, with this COVID list stuff, with Trey Hendrickson going on the COVID list. Suddenly today, Joe Burrow, if you remember, he had this knee injury at the end of the Chiefs game. He's suddenly not going to play uh, in their game on Sunday. So you're worried, you're starting to wonder, well, how healthy is he? And so I think their momentum took a little bit of a shot. But you, you talk about hot teams going into the playoffs. Say they are able to get all these guys back. I think they got to feel pretty good. Uh, about themselves, it should be a really interesting tournament here, and, and I'm eager to see what happens.
1: And of course, really, I mean the, the guys. Joe Burrow put up big numbers because of Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase the 266 yards. Chase had no answer for him. And the big thing that a lot of people talking about, of course, it should be talked about. The third and 27 is one of those plays yeah. that extended uh, the Bengals. Um, this was the rationale from Steve Spagnuolo. He spoke today. You were on the call, um, you know, with with Spags there earlier. And, of course, he was going to be asked that question about third and 27. Here was his response because it was blitz from the Kansas City Chiefs. Leaving Pierre Jamar Chase. Here. What's that? Yeah. Leaving him on island. Here's here's his explanation for why that happened. Yeah. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, right, Adam? Um, right. That's always the case. The thinking was we were addressing that play as a third and six because – uh, that was about the, at the 41 yard line, and any additional yardage there is going to make it a field goal for them. It's a tie ball game; they don't want to give up a field goal. So the idea was to get an incomplete pass. And again, hindsight's 2020, but um, I think all the guys are comfortable with the trying to get them to punt the football on fourth and 27. It's tough to do. I mean, the game, Jamar Chase was happening. Listen, that offensive line is bad. We know that they've got more sacks. Joe Burrow's taking more sacks than anybody else. Right. And they thought they could I- get to him, but. Gambling in that situation wasn't a fan on it because they hadn't proved they could stop Jamar Chase.
2: Right. It 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 felt like a, just a complete lack of adjustment all day and I think that's the proper gripe of Chiefs fans. Some hear that from Spagnolo and are still not happy and I can't blame you guys for that, but I I hear it and I'm saying okay, like at least that makes a little bit of sense. And and what I mean, Jay, and you could disagree with me if you want. I just think that A lot of times, and and you hear this in the league all the time, the players appreciate when you're going for the win. And I think that was a decision for the Chiefs to, in a sense, let's control this and go for the win. It did not work out. It was a disaster. But what I mean is, okay, so they wanted to prevent them from being able to even kick a field goal. At the time, it was 31-31. So in Spagnolo's mind... Again, wrong decision. But in his mind, he's like, let's get there. Let's make sure they get no yards on this play, as opposed to 20 and kick the field goal, and then you're, again, continuing to play with fire. If they're able to stop them, they get no yards there. They punt to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes doesn't even need to score a damn touchdown. All he needs to do is get Harrison Butker, who has been a lock uh, aside from special te- uh, spe- um, extra points this year. Aside from extra points, he's been a lock when it comes to field goals. So I think what he was saying is let's go for the win. Let's get it done right now. It was a disaster. But they were trying to go and control the game and get the win, get it into Mahomes' hands, get Harrison Butker to at least a 50-yard field goal, and then you're, you're going home with an opportunity to beat the Broncos for home field. Didn't work out, but I appreciated the explanation. Uh, it sucks that they made that decision. Quite obviously the wrong one. Plenty more about the Chiefs going forward. We talked lead analyst Ron Comp of
1: ArrowheadPride.com. Bottom line is, the Chiefs, despite those early season losses, were in front of it. And everything caught up to him as far as those losses. Would they matter or not? Because we said at the time, will the Ravens lost matter? Well, the Bills lost matter? Will the Titans lost matter? Well, Chiefs got in front of it, but it finally caught up to him. But coming up next, we'll talk to Ron Kopp, lead analyst Arrowhead ArrowheadPride.com. About the Bengals game, we'll look forward to the Broncos and the playoffs next.
0: You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. 610 Sports Radio.
1: Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream Bigger. Jay Binkley, the editor-in-chief of uh, ArrowheadPride.com. Pete Sweeney, and joining us now, the lead analyst for ArrowheadPride.com, as he joins us each and every week, Ron Kopp, at Ron underscore K-O-P-P. What's up, Ron?
3: Happy New Year, fellas. How we doing tonight?
1: Happy New Year to you, Ron. Wish we were talking about uh, different things at this point, that the uh, little winning streak and being on a roll, but... Things caught up to the Chiefs, those early season losses. One has stood out, and that has been the Titans because yeah, well, the Dolphins just absolutely laid down to the Titans last week. Didn't help us out like in 2019. But uh, who are you putting the most to blame on? You putting the uh, third and 27, the, the coverage defensively for the Chiefs, the all-out blitz, or are you putting it on the officials? Oh,
3: I'm definitely not putting it on the officials. Uh, I'm just not that type, right? I, I just don't think that's a – it's fun to talk about, but it's not something you should be leading, in my opinion, a, you know, a, a recap show of a game with or anything. So I'm going to talk about the defense, man, because that was my initial you know, takeaway after the game was, first of all, just the fact that they couldn't get off the field. You know, six minutes left in the game when the Bengals took over the ball and not being able to get off the field was pretty inexcusable, and obviously it all kind of came down to that third and 27. Now you hear, you hear everyone kind of complaining, why are you blitzing on third and 30 27? Why are you all out blitzing? You know, that's not really my problem with it necessarily, the blitzing part of it. It's just, and you guys have already talked about it a little bit, but it's just Fags not adjusting to take away what the Bengals were doing the best. Right. The only thing the Bengals were doing very good on Sunday was Burrow throwing it up to Jamar Chase. They're just throwing it in his direction. There was nothing really else. You know, Mixon didn't have a great day on the ground. It's not like he, hit, he had one big play, but that was pretty much it. It really was just Jamar Chase mean, the, the, their entire mm-hmm. offense, and Stags just refused to really take him away or, or proactively take him away at least. And one thing that I don't think we're talking about enough on that third and 27, and, and that, shout out my, my former coach, Coach Qualls, if he's listening. He hit me up on Twitter after the game. We are talking about this. But the fact that you shouldn't be putting your corners in position in, in that, in that man coverage position because you could get a penalty on that attempt, right? Because if a penalty gets called on that on a jump ball there, then you get 15 yards as an automatic first down. So not only is it risky in the in the sense that you're just giving a guy one on one coverage, you're also putting your corners who, who have been getting calls for ticky tack stuff all day in a position to where if, if they grab a little bit, even if they force an incomplete pass, it could be a penalty and then it's all for not. And they're kind of you know if they're in a one on one situation, they're going to be maybe a little desperate to be grabbing and making sure they don't get beat. So all that to say, I really didn't like the call. I, I heard Stag's justification for it. It makes a little more sense, but. Me, I, you play soft coverage, and you make them kick a field goal there because then you have three minutes for Mahomes to score, go score touch, a touchdown. So I, I was not okay with that
2: call for sure. Ron, you you talk about Jamar Chase and, and the day he was having. Uh, you know, watching from the blind eye, it looked like Charvarius Ward was was playing pretty good coverage. Now that you've dove deeper on this, do you, do you feel the same way, and do, do you think okay, this was just Chase's day and not a bigger problem in the secondary?
3: Well, yeah, that's that's one of the things, right? These cornerbacks have been so good this year. A lot of it's just because they haven't really played these elite receivers. They played a Devonte Adams, but that was without Aaron Rodgers. They played Ceedee Lamb, who is still kind of a young, young and upcoming receiver, but they didn't get Amari Cooper in that game. And I think you kind of saw that, you know, to some extent, this is kind of what this game kind of shows you that offense just beats good offense beats good defense in today's NFL. You know, mm. you, you hear defense wins championships—that cliche. It's offense now, right? And this shows you, your cornerbacks can be playing as well as they have all year and, and at the same time have tight coverage like you mentioned. I mean, Ward, Ward's on Chase on that play and a few other plays, but the ball placement's just too good to defend. And Chase is just too good of a receiver. I mean, just straight up. He is, he's a top-five pick for a reason, and he's already one of the best receivers in the NFL. And I just think Staggs didn't give him that kind of respect. So it's not on Ward. Ward you know, you can only ask so much of Ward in, the, in today's league when cornerbacks are penalized for barely touching guys, so it's on stacks for not giving him that help and putting him in that position um, to, to kind of just be in those isolated situations. So, yeah, I, I, I think Tarverius Ward he, he had decent coverage. We've seen that in his career where he gets he's tight and he just doesn't get the ball away, doesn't hit the ball away. But at the same time, you know, you shouldn't be put in those situations over and over again when a guy already had 200 receiving yards for the game.
1: And when you look at that game, with that that offense the Bengals had and the talented wide receiver, clearly one of the most talented teams they'll face. I mean, I like it to the, the Chargers a little bit with uh, with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, even though I'd give the edge to the uh, Bengals as far as that's concerned. I think the better running back is in Cincinnati. But Spags was asked about it today as well. And just the test that it provided, are you buying into that, that they you know face some of the best right there in Cincinnati, that offense? And that was a good test for that defense going forward.
3: Yeah, I think that's the one thing you can take away from this. And Pete hit on it a little bit earlier when I was listening to you guys. But just the fact that it's not like Charvergas Ward is going to be coming to the sideline and being like, dang it, bags! why'd you put me in that situation, right? No, he's going to be happy that his coordinator trusts him in such a big spot to make a play. You know, in Ward's mind, he probably just is upset with himself. He didn't make the play, even though in my opinion, you know, you can't expect you can't expect Ward to make those kind of plays every single snap, and I, and I think we, we saw exactly why. So, yeah, I think, I think if anything it gives them a you know a, a confidence boost against a really good receiving core. You know, they like you say with Ward in, in that tight coverage, you know, the next time he comes out there against them, he's not going to be, you know, less confident. He's not going to be, you know, uh, thinking that, oh, this guy got me bad last time shoot. No, he's going to be thinking, I was barely beat last time. I'm going to get him this time. And my defensive coordinator trusts me to do that rather than you know, maybe just thinking that Spaggs is going to you know, not trust him to, to win in those situations. So I think the test of it was that Spags showed confidence in them and, and didn't shy away from maybe putting them in those situations, which didn't end up being the winning situation for this game, but in terms of confidence for the cornerbacks themselves, which is a position you really need confidence in, i got to imagine that helped them in terms of a, a
2: boost in it. Jay Binkley and Pete Sweeney, myself on Arrowhead Pride Radio, talking to our lead analyst at Arrowhead Pride, Ron Kopp. I want to ask you about something you talked about on our podcast network and wrote up for us at arrowheadpride.com this week, and that's the idea of the running back position and whether or not you truly feel at this stage Daryl Williams, who is about to break thousand yards from scrimmage might be the better option for this team how do you feel in that scenario
3: man I had never thought I would get to this point me and Staggs all year on the podcast have talked about Clyde you know we all we both really like Clyde but this this game against Cincinnati Darrell Williams just and, he, and he's been improving over and over all you know all season each game it seems like he's gotten better and better but man it just seemed like just his change of direction, his wiggle, and then also just how good he is as a receiver. I mean, that's been apparent all year, but it just kind of clicked with me all of a sudden that I would really like to see Darrell Williams get the majority of the touches over Clyde wow. even when they're all healthy. I'm not saying that means that Williams is the starter and is the only you know, he's getting 80% of the snaps or anything. No, and, and I think it should be more of a running back by committee. But in my opinion, at this point, Darrell should be the one getting the most touches out of the three on a game by game basis. I, I, he just seems to be the one that that gets the most yards on a given run, whether it's the power of it, or he seems to be the most comfortable receiver with Mahomes. Mahomes seems to really have a good rhythm when it's checking down to him, um, just in, in terms of just any sort of pass It seems like sometimes Clyde, it's just that there's not this connection there where maybe Clyde, you know, the pass a little behind Clyde, or, or Clyde's catching it and then running out of bounds because he he didn't realize how close he was to the sideline. That doesn't happen with Daryl as much, so. You know, I, I like the running back by, by committee approach, make everyone fresh. I really do think at this point, I've, I've, I've gotten to this point where Daryl should be the one getting the majority of the carries and the touches in general.
1: Well, stats would say that uh, when Clyde's playing, they run for more yards as a team, but there's also the factor that, well, let's face it, Cincinnati could stop the run. They were they were decent, stopped the run. They were fourth in the NFL, stopped the run. That was the most productive yards by the Chiefs in a football game this year as a team. So which combination do you like the best in? Do you like... Clyde with Daryl or do you like the Daryl Gore combination
3: no I, d- I definitely think Clyde is, is you know the better okay so Clyde Daryl gore yeah absolutely no I, I think I think I just like Daryl's ability to pound the rock a little better when you're talking about giving a guy 20 or more carries and, and a guy like Clyde can be more of a change of pace guy I think they've been doing it the opposite all year and it hasn't it hasn't been a bad thing right I mean Clyde's been fine when he's healthy I think one thing that's really hurt him is he just can't get into a rhythm because he keeps getting hurt. Um, so I do think that's infecting him, too. But, man, when you're talking about just, like, wearing down a defense and, and a guy like Daryl, who I used to think was just more of a power back, man, he has some wiggle, too. I, I kind of comped him to Spencer Ware because I think that was always something that Spencer Ware did really good at is he could run you over, and he could also be a very reliable pass catcher and make plays in space, too. So I'm starting to see that from Daryl, and so that's why I just I really do think Clyde could be more the change of pace guy and Daryl in my opinion, just really seems like would would benefit from getting the majority of touches in the group rather than a guy like Clyde would.
2: Ron, the Chiefs scored 31 points on Sunday, and that, and that was the good. The problem was all four touchdowns came in the first half before two punts and then the field goal, and you wonder, okay, well, maybe what happened after the break? Anything that you could point your finger on that led to the two empty possessions in the second half and how the Chiefs maybe turned that around quickly?
3: Well, yeah, just First of all, the fact that they only got three possessions in the second half. Right. Now, that's just – they had six possessions in the first half, if that tells you anything. I mean, that is a, a very low number for a half. And, and the crazy part is all three of the drives either ended in Cincinnati territory or right at the fifth-yard line pretty much. And they only got three points out of them now. Looking at the plays, it just seems like missed opportunities. Kelsey drops a second-and-nine mm. pass on that second drive, and they can't convert on third-and-nine. They have to punt. Um, there's, a, a, there's a third and two in Cincinnati territory. Then there's a holding call by Andrew Wiley, and then it gets pushed back and they have to punt from inside Cincinnati territory. And then, obviously, that, that last third down, Mahomes talked about it after the game, but he just he just didn't diagnose the blitz well enough and beat it, right? He just basically said that the blitz got me, and, and they had to settle for a field goal. It's just missed execution. I mean, we've been talking about it all year. It just didn't happen for the whole game. It only happened in the second half. But it also is the fact that if you only have three drives, man, you have to at least get a touchdown on one of them, or that stuff's going to happen where you just you don't score enough points. I mean, three, you know, only three drives. It's just that is a very low amount, and and they didn't take advantage of the time the time they did have. That's all it is.
1: Ron Kopp, lead analyst, ArrowheadPride Give him a follow at Ron underscore Kopp K O P P. Ron, I always enjoyed the conversation. We'll talk soon, my friend.
3: Yes, sir, Jay. Pete,
1: appreciate it. Thank you. There's right. Ron Comp right there, arrowheadpride.com. Coming up next, there was something that I thought really stood out in, the, in this football game. Pete asked a great question to Andy Reid about that this week. We'll look at that. And then some of the uh, – maybe Darrell Williams as well. Darrell Williams another mm-hmm. hot topic. But two things, I guess, stand out. Not just one. We discuss those next.
0: Listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery, Dream Bigger, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
1: Welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery, Dream Bigger, Jay Vinkley, and the editor in chief, VeroHeadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Pete, I thought there was one thing that really stood out. What's I, that? I know my friend uh, Nate Taylor wrote a story on it that uh, stood out to me in this game because there was some concern. Orlando Brown comes out pregame. Yeah. He's back at practice, practicing right now, and all that. So he's he's back, but he wasn't able to play. But Prince Tegu, they uh, put him inactive on the game. The prince. The Prince, your guy. It's your guy, by the way. I like Prince. It's your guy. And Kyle Long, getting active for the game. So then Chiefs are okay. Orlando Brown's out. Yeah. Lucas Niang, I know you've been at right side, even though in college you were left at times. Different different footwork, different discipline against a team that can get to the quarterback. The Bengals were seventh in the NFL. That was originally the plan for Niang. I mean, I don't want to go down that route. No, but, but he was originally to you.
2: supposed to be left and then ended up being the right. Yeah. But
1: still, you playing all that time in practice, everything stepping off your right foot
2: for your, for yeah, your leverage. No, no,
1: it's different. It's a big yeah. deal. So then Tooney goes to the outside and Allegretti goes to the inside, and you don't mention their names, which is a very good thing. Because after the game, we're talking about Tooney and Allegretti and that job on the left side. Not true. You asked uh, Andy Reid about those two guys uh, Monday.
2: Coach, I was wondering, on, upon your second look, if you could just comment on how Nick uh, Allegretti performed and then Joe Tooney a little out of position there for you uh, on Sunday uh, in your second look there. Yeah. So I
3: thought the the offensive line uh, in general did a good job. Um and those guys for having to jump in and, um, you know, Allegretti's situation and Joe having to jump over to the left tackle spot. I mean, my hat goes off to him. They, they did a nice job.
1: And Tooney just really stood out. Uh, and just the attitude yeah. he had after the game about it. Just wanted to do what the team needed. And um, whatever, wherever the team needs me, I'll play. And Wherever they need him, he'll play. Of course they Sounds like a more play quarterback to... if yeah. need be. Yeah. How much tackle have you played, uh, Joe? Joe? I think I had a series or two at right tackle a couple years back. And <laughs> Trey Hendrickson, 14 sacks, Bengals seventh in the NFL and getting to the quarterback. Thought it might be a problem, but the Chiefs, I thought, handled it well. Schemed, game plan, was throwing quick passes. It was about running the football. But regardless, we talk all the time on surface how good this offensive line is as they brought it in. But also, when you do bring in new blood guys that have started the Super Bowl or a sudden your backups and even guys like Austin Blake, we haven't even seen yet. It's led the NFL in snaps the two previous years yeah. who started a guard and center in the NFL. And
2: you haven't even seen me. It led me to believe, man, they have some real good depth on this line. Right. It, it, it is in a sense, it, it's the opposite of, of last year, kind of at, at this time where, you know, you lose a guy and you're not down to your 15th guy. Now knock on wood that everyone stays okay there, but I thought it was really impressive. And, and, what what kind of stinks about it, right? So if you're like, oh, man, you're out of this game, is they ended up losing because, you know, you're up two touchdowns. And I think a big reason of that was how comfortable Patrick Mahomes was in this replacement offensive line. And it wasn't just Allegretti and Tooney either. I'm not exactly sure if Andrew Wiley would have been even in the game because if you remember when the day started, Lucas Niang, it seemed like was finally back to normal, and I'm – Assuming here, I to be to be fair here, I wasn't in Cincinnati, so I wasn't watching these warmups as I would do uh, at Arrowhead Stadium or some road games that I that I do attend. If Niang was at right tackle and all of a sudden Orlando Brown can't go, then that means Wiley, who might have thought, "Okay, I'm maybe going to be a reserve again," had to go in probably with a few minutes because they slide Niang to the left. Allegretti, by the way, just had no idea he was going to play. Wiley, if he was like, if he had no idea he was going to play. It's been an extra man in these heavy sets for the chiefs all year to have him go in in the drop of a hat. Wiley to be at right tackle and then Tooney to be out of position. You heard him say how much tackle he's played in the NFL. My God, they played really, really well. i it it was supposed to be a point of weakness for the team probably was the best thing the team did all day and the most consistent
1: thing they did all day. You really liked too neat left tackle. I liked him. I liked him at left tackle. But I brought like up it. the arm
2: length. Because it's gotta,
1: 32, it's a, you know, tackles usually Jay, 35 inches above. I mean, there's a reason why you you're guarding.
2: You got a big decision coming up this offseason, a very expensive With Orlando Brown starting the Pro Bowl, yeah. yes.
1: What to do with Orlando. The right. salary cap's going up to 208. You get know, a franchising, whatever.
2: Got pay Matthew.
1: But somebody else stood out, and a lot of people been talking about. Uh, we talked a little bit to Ron Kopp about, Daryl Williams and what he's done and like these numbers would probably surprise you. He's already got 541 yards rushing on the season, but he's got he's got 44 catches for 422 yards. He's what just what 37 yards away from a 1000 yards this season. He's having a great season. You uh you had to ask Daryl about this because Eric Bieniemy spoke today as well and he said that was Daryl Williams best game.
2: Yeah. Hey Daryl, Coach Bienemite mentioned that Sunday might have been your um, best game as a pro. Uh, is there anything that you can maybe point to that that you felt like you had some additional comfort or or some kind of extra juice uh, on Sunday? No, I think um, the main thing was, you know, I went out confident, um, and just when I when I saw the hole, I was just I was just hitting it, and um, you know leaving nothing behind, just trying to do whatever I could do to help this team win.
1: So Daryl Williams, yeah, I mean, rushing-wise, was his best game yeah. uh, that he, he's had. He, but, man, good.
2: as Ron said, I mean, he he looked real real good. I mean, it, he looked like a starter in the NFL. I think
1: he's looked better than even every year. I mean, yeah. when he came in here, he was fighting for just a roster spot, being an undrafted guy, being an undrafted free agent, trying to make it in the world in the NFL. And, of course, he was part of that championship team, but wasn't really utilized very often. But he's had to kind of step into that role. But Daryl Williams has been a great Surprise! That's I mean, one of the surprises of the year from this offense. Yeah, we can look at Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, clearly a surprise. But as far as a
2: guy getting better, mm-hmm. it's him, right?
1: And he was already
4: on
2: the team. And you know, you're seeing a lot of fans talk about this. I mean, I have quick access to the Airhead Pride mentions, even in some of my my personal Twitter account mentions. I would say the majority of fans right now would prefer Daryl to to be the starter, feeling like he has earned it. I know it's been uh, a point of conversation here on 610 Sports Radio where they rush better as a team as a whole with Clyde as the guy, but I think you're starting to see some people lean Daryl. To... Yeah, I wonder if the sample size was
1: different You right. had more time and Derek Gore because that was their best rushing performance, Pete, against the number four I rushing defense. That's That speaks there, volumes.
2: Yeah, I think I've said this – I've alluded to this a little bit before, but I, I think there's a case to be made that maybe the, the Chiefs should be leaning into a little bit more with what New England does. You watch New England. I know Harris tends to be the guy most often, but they really just lean into, man, whatever back looks good, we're just rolling with this guy tonight. It drives fantasy players absolutely bananas. But I, I think then you, in a sense, would take the pressure off of Clyde and – I like Clyde, but what's been tough about him is every time he really seems to be getting into a groove, it's another setback with, like, a random different injury, and that's hurt him. And And Daryl has been fortunate to be more durable, and that has given him this opportunity, and, and he's, it, it has seemed that he's put on just better tape and more of it this year than, than Clyde has.
1: Coming up next on Arrowhead Pride Radio, if you have a question for Pete, hashtag AskPete, <laughs> J Southland Toe Service, 913 576 7610. And we'll talk about Mahomes for a second. It was the AFC Player of the Month yeah. in December. A lot of questions this week to him about a personal growth. What's he think he's grown more this year? As far as the checkdowns are concerned, I know you asked a question about that to Eric B. Enemy. We discuss that next.
0: You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream Bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
1: Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Brought to you by Kansas Lottery. Dream Bigger. Jay Binkley, the editor in chief, arrowheadpride.com. Pete Sweeney, Chris Unocero producing things. Well, Pete. Uh, Clearly, we talked there about Daryl Williams mm-hmm. and about uh, Joe Tuning the offensive line. Something else to kind of talk about, too, is Patrick Mahomes. And as far as, you know, your question to him about, you know, putting a consistent game together. Because Patrick Mahomes talked about, you know, have they put the A game yet? Have they 100% put everything together? This is what Pat said about that before we talk about him checking down more.
2: But you kind of a tale of two halves for the offense on Sunday. You guys had four straight touchdown drives and then sputtered a little bit in the the second half. Pat has mentioned uh, the challenge right now for the offense being just putting a a consistent game together. Uh, How do you go about just kind of stressing that to the team? And and how do you foresee that kind of playing out as you enter this last game and into the playoffs? Well, you keep stressing fundamentals, we want to make sure that I guys understand the little things that it takes to help us to be the best team that we can possibly be. Uh, at times we're clicking and doing certain things and at times we're not. So we got to go back always to ground zero. And that's the purpose of why we practice. We stressed that yesterday. and That was a big vocal point as well today. Fundamentals and just making sure we're detailing all the details.
1: So, looking at the details, going forward in that direction, Patrick Mahomes even, even said uh, this.
4: I still think we can be better. Uh, I still think we've played great halves or a great couple quarters. We haven't played that great full game yet. Um, so, I think that would be something that we'll continue to work on. You want to be the best going into the playoffs. And I think offensively we've gotten better and better as the season's gone on. Um, and uh, we've, we've played against a lot of different defenses. So, we'll be ready for anything coming into this last week and into the playoffs.
1: Do you feel he's seen just about everything? It seems to me he has. And I know he's still, okay. he went deep against the Bengals still. Uh, Tyreek Hill dropped a 65-yarder. So they have opened things well, up. They were slowed down in the second half. I get it, three points. But they only had three drives. At this stage,
2: it is apparent to me that he's gotten more comfortable with the deeper coverages that he has seen. And the comfort is there, I think, in the pocket. We just talked about how well the offensive line played. And I think you're seeing – Even him when he's with reserves, he's a lot more comfortable. And he's feeling all right about checking it down and letting the running backs do some of the dirty work. And I think you're starting to slowly see more of that deep stuff open up downfield, and that's only going to happen as you get used to playing in the short game and then in that intermediate. And, yeah, I I think the Chiefs can, can win and play methodically now. It's just continuing to do it every week.
1: Yeah, so so he's checking down. He's making this offense. He's seen everything he's seen, which yeah, it does kind of make me wonder. Like, the one thing Joe Burrow does is like what a lot of Patrick's done in his career, and that's throwing it deep. Mm-hmm. The Tyreek Hill, those long you know, 40-yard touchdowns. Burrow leads the NFL double in 40-yard touchdown scores, and it's like I wonder if the chase would apply some of the things that they're doing to pat other teams to Joe Burrow in that
2: game because that right. would have been the time to do it. Right, right, and and that I I think is what remains – so baffling about the play. And it's it's the play that you're going to talk about for a while, especially if she, things don't work out for the Chiefs in the playoffs, is thats is that third and 27. It was a little bit as through the trees. I think we can admit that where a guy was just beating you up and the quarterbacks needed extra help. I mean, we talked around cop about how well Ward was even playing Chase. It just didn't matter. It, it's one of those scenarios where, I mean, we've seen it on the other side in Kansas City where other teams are trying to double – and bracket Travis, and what is he doing? He, you know, there's been games where he just runs every, over everybody. It doesn't really matter. And I, it was one of those type of days for for Chase, and the Chiefs just didn't adjust to that.
1: Vic Fangio, the uh, head coach of the Denver Broncos, uh, had his press conference, one of his press conferences today. And, of course, the questions always coming up. They, they, the Chiefs have won the last 12 games against the Broncos. It, it, was it time for Vic to end this streak?
4: No,
3: obviously we look at it. It's the last time we played him here, and it was fairly recent. So, obviously, it's part of our study getting ready for this game. And, you know, you can't recreate the wheel every time you play somebody a second time. Do you do some things, tweak here and there, different a little bit? Yeah. But, you know, you've got your system, your defense, and you've got to go out and operate it.
1: Patrick Mahomes did have his lowest what, quarterback rating of the season, 57 yeah. against the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Fangio, you know, as much as I say about him as a head coach, as a leader, from the offense, his defenses do play well, and I know they didn't beat the game. They can't, they can't score; that's their problem. But defending Patrick Mahomes, they did. But they, you know, Patrick Sertan might not play. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're banged up in the secondary. That's got to be a concern for them. Yeah, and it's gonna be fifty-five
2: degrees. I I I just I think this is the last game for Vic Fangio with the Denver Broncos, and I think he he did an all right job over the years. The the results are not going to cut it there, and I, I think you'll see a new coach, but. Patrick Mahomes, in his words, gave him a lot of credit in, in saying that, that Fangio really gives you, you know, different types of, of looks. And that's been what James Palmer of NFL Network has, has been on all week on, on his hits is, is kind of saying perhaps some of these schemes and the way that Fangio prepares his defense could really get Mahomes a, a nice challenge before the games that really count. Not to say that they can't win and get the number one, but the games that really count in the following week. Here was
1: Mahomes on just what you're talking about, Fangio.
4: Yeah, I mean, definitely it will be a great challenge for us. Um, I think what he does so well is they do have, they have a great understanding of what, what you do as an offense. I mean, obviously they play a lot of shell cover- shells and kind of combo zone coverages with a little bit of man sprinkled in there. Um, but I think he has a good feel for what you want to do as an offense. I think he, he's he's obviously the top. He, he's done it for the longest um, but he has a great feel of like this is what you do. I'm gonna have guys in this area. This is what you do. I'll have guys in this area. And so that's something that he does a great job with, as well as they have they have great players. So uh, he he has a good does a good job of assembling a great team, um, and and does a great job of scheming uh, a great defense.
1: It's all about how you respond, and he looks at this as a challenge, as as the Chiefs like these challenges. But Pete, the bottom line is, you know, the Chiefs now looks like gonna have to play three playoff games, not two, and get to the postseason. Like they took advantage of only six teams in the playoffs and the two-team two, two team bye, but they have played more football than anybody else. And yeah, I wonder if that it, starts to you know, creep it, in two straight trips to the Super Bowl. I mean, they've they played a lot of football. Now you're going to have to play three games. Not saying they can't do it because they've done it before, but different situation. You're playing every week now.
2: I think reality is it it's, it's good and bad the way the season has gone. And what I mean by good is you didn't let any bad teams come in and upset you. You didn't lose to... What was a New York Giants team? You've beaten the Washington football team. You really beat up the whole NFC East. But your losses are all playoff teams: the Baltimore Ravens, it's the LA Chargers, the Buffalo Bills, the Titans, and now the Bengals—all teams that you're probably going to see again. And and they should have confidence that they were able to to get it done the first time. And what is tough about losing the bye week, which we think will happen, is now you got to do it. Three times in a row, and then you're you're playing a, a real tough opponent, as we've seen these past two years. If you can get to the NFC opponent, and so it is, it's going to be a tall task. It, it is a very very interesting year, where I think the Chiefs can almost, in a sense, feel like okay, maybe we're getting counted out here for all those reasons, and maybe they're about to. To prove everybody wrong and get back to a third straight Super Bowl, and that's why it's going to be fun to watch over the next next month.
1: You know, they're playing one of the writers, Mark Kizzle, that said that you should do a uh, boycott. As one of the writers, I don't can't remember. There's been mm-hmm. several out there, and then in, in in Jacksonville, they're doing the clown out. The clown out. The clown out. Uh, yeah, I'm just glad
2: we're not with to... that handlebar mustache. And I hate Shad clowns. Kong. I hate clowns, man. It's the number one thing I hate is clowns. See, really hate I hate quick them. point on the Jacksonville clown out. Be careful, Jacksonville. This this is a league begging to move a team to London, and uh, you're gonna make you're gonna make fun of the owner with his handlebar mustache. Name. They're playing the Colts. They beat them six straight
1: times in Jacksonville. Huh. Thanks to Ron Kopp from Lead had Pride for joining us. Thanks to Chris Uno, Cyril, producing. Thank you to Pete Sweeney. All right. What's next? Big night. team of watching from the.